0: Dear Pastor Colin, my name is Peter. I am a Boy Scout. I liked your sermon on meekness, especially the 10 ways to be meek. Could you please send me 10 ways to do all the other Beatitudes as well? My apologies to Peter, I'm way short this week, there's only five. Five strategies for cultivating a godly appetite.
1: Well, welcome to Open the Bible with Pastor Colin Smith. And uh, Colin, I got to tell you, these had better be a good five for for Peter's sake.
0: (laughs) Peter's a demanding guy, (laughs) and I think he's terrific. I loved his letter, I tell you. Ten ways to do every beatitude. Well, I hope five's a start.
1: <laughs> Five is good. Five is good. So as we uh, began to learn last time, we're actually cultivating a godly appetite here, what it means to pursue righteousness.
0: Yeah, and the principle we're working with is that diet shapes appetite over time. And Jesus says, blessed are those Who hunger and thirst for righteousness. They're the ones who are going to be satisfied. So I want to be hungering and thirsting for righteousness, and it's that appetite that we want to be able to cultivate.
1: Well, we're going to dig down into that today. If you can, open your Bible, join us in Matthew chapter 5 as we continue the message, Cultivating a Godly Appetite. Here's Pastor Colin.
0: Five strategies for cultivating a godly appetite. Here's number one, and you won't be surprised by it Gain momentum from the first three Beatitudes. That's the first. Gain momentum from the first three Beatitudes. Now, by this stage in the series, uh, those of you who've been following along will say, I thought it might be that, because we keep coming back to this point that the Beatitudes cannot be treated in isolation. They are progressive. Each of the Beatitudes assumes all of the ones that went before And that is why we have pictured them as uh, being like rings, and the way in which you move from one ring to the other, like the monkey swing, is the momentum you gain from swinging on the first is what enables you to reach the second. The momentum from swinging on the second is what enables you to reach the third, and so forth and so on. Gain momentum from the first three Beatitudes. That's number one. Here's number two. Practice fasting from legitimate pleasures. Practice fasting from legitimate pleasures. Remember, Jesus spoke about whoever would come after me, he said, must deny himself. There are multiple applications of that, and this is one of them. Now, again, we're just thinking by way of analogy from the world of food. One way to spoil your appetite is to snack between meals If you snack on chips throughout the afternoon, guess what? Your appetite will not be sharp when it comes to your dinner in the evening. So the principle here is a very simple one. Every mother has taught this to their children, even if it's not always been obeyed. Uh, Restrict what spoils your appetite. Don't snack between meals. We understand that principle very, very clearly. Now, the point here is not that there is something wicked or sinful about eating chips in the afternoon. There is not. Doritos, after all, are a good gift from God. Are they not? Now, this is surely an, an amen moment. But here's the point. We all know this, that eating in, at the wrong time and in the wrong amount will spoil your appetite. That's the key. In the wrong time and the wrong amount. Now, let's apply this obvious principle about uh, appetite and how it gets spoiled uh, from the world of the body into the world of the soul. And let's put it this way. Legitimate pleasures, legitimate pleasures at the wrong time and in the wrong amount will spoil your appetite for holiness. So what can I do about that? The question that's before us is, how can I keep the legitimate pleasures of my life, which have a place, like sports and travel and hobbies and so forth and so on? How do I keep these things in their proper place? And one answer that I'm suggesting to you today from this analogy is by a periodic fasting from legitimate pleasures, Now, think about what fasting is in the realm of the body. What what is fasting all about? It is a way of cleansing the body and of heightening self-control. It is therefore a very special and often underutilized gift from God that can be used in the spiritual realm to help you master some things that otherwise may gain mastery over you. So very simply, suppose you come to the conclusion as you think about your life and you say, I want to live a better life. I think I can be more for Jesus Christ than this. And suppose you look at your life and say, where is all the time going? What, what is actually my life? And, and suppose you come to the conclusion that you are spending too much time watching TV or playing computer games your diet has been creating an appetite and you have a kind of a default as to what you do as soon as time is open and uh, and so forth. And now you see that this pattern that has become established within your life is actually holding you back from being everything that you could be for Jesus Christ. What could you do? Take a month without television. Have a fast from it for a month. Not because it's a wicked and a sinful thing, it's a legitimate pleasure, but you don't want it controlling you. A fast from computer games. A fast from golf for a month. Or six months without buying new clothes. Or without leisure travel in order that that time that would have gone in this direction might go in another. Drop a sport for a semester you will be surprised at the freedom that you begin to experience. You'll say, as my friend said, this is not so bad. Fasting is a great way to subdue appetites that otherwise may master you. Now, of course, some Christians have this organized, and I I think that's a good thing. They do it once a year. They give something up for Good. But why wait for Lent? That's my question. Why wait for Lent? I want to be cultivating my spiritual appetite throughout the year. And if I see that something is gaining control over me, I want to be able to address it proactively. Train yourself for godliness. Paul says to Timothy so to live a better life. We have to take control over the things that otherwise would hold us back. So identify the legitimate pleasures of your life and deny to yourself something for some time. Do that in order to gain control. Do that uh, so that appetites will not in themselves be controlling over you. Learn to wean yourself off things that otherwise will shape and determine the course of your life, and you will find great freedom. You'll find great joy so, practice fasting from legitimate pleasures in, in order to cultivate this great appetite for righteousness, for God, the hunger and thirst after Him. Now, here's the third one, and it goes immediately along with the second, and it's simply this. Make yourself vulnerable to the needs of others. Make yourself vulnerable to the needs of others. And again, we're thinking here from the analogy of the body that we all understand very well. How do you work up a good appetite? Ah, get some good exercise. Go for a brisk walk. Go for a run. And uh, guess what? By the time you have extended yourself in that exercise, you find that your readiness for a good meal has increased. You have worked up an appetite. Now, again today, this this is true in regards to the nourishing of the soul. Extend yourself in serving others, especially people whose needs are very great, and you will find that your own hunger and thirst for righteousness is wonderfully increased. The exercise of serving will increase your spiritual appetite. Now, think about this in relation to our Lord Jesus. How did Christ fulfill the fourth beatitude? After all, he is the righteous one. All righteousness resides within him. So how in the world could Jesus then hunger and thirst after what he already had? And the answer to that lies in the incarnation. He leaves the comforts of heaven. He comes into this world where righteousness has been lost, where what he has is desperately needed. And he humbles himself, and he becomes a servant, and he sees that people are like sheep without a shepherd. His heart is moved with compassion. And you see the principle. You make yourself vulnerable to the needs of others and your own hunger and thirst for righteousness will increase. You will begin to say more and more, O God, thy kingdom come. Serving will stimulate your spiritual appetite.
1: You're listening to Open the Bible with Pastor Colin Smith and a message called Cultivating a Godly Appetite. And we're looking at five strategies today. We'll get back to this message in just a moment, so hope you'll stay with us. Well, in addition to listening to Pastor Colin preach this series on the radio, you can also read the book by the same title, Momentum. It's about pursuing God's blessing through the Beatitudes. And this would be a great book if you're a new believer and you're wondering, how do I grow in my Christian life? You know, I've come to know Jesus, but now what? Or maybe there's somebody in your life, you are a believer, but you're kind of wondering, what do I do to encourage them? How how would I mentor them? How would I disciple them? This book would be a great tool to use for that as well. And we'd love to send you a copy of this book as our way of saying thank you for your financial support. It truly is your generosity that keeps Pastor Collins teaching on this station. So as you give a gift of any amount, we're going to send you Pastor Collins' book, Momentum, Pursuing God's Blessing Through the Beatitudes. Find out more or give online at openthebible.org or call us at 877-673-6365. That's 877-OPEN365, or again, the website, openthebible.org. Back to the message. Here's Pastor Colin.
0: Here's number four. Use your blessings and your troubles as incentives to feed on Jesus Christ. Use your blessings and troubles as incentives to feed on Jesus Christ. Of course, I'm thinking in using that phrase, feed on Jesus Christ, how Jesus said, I am the bread of life. And you remember how he said this in John chapter 6, this is the bread that came down from heaven. He's referring to himself, of course, and he says, whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. Christ is the one who nourishes our soul to everlasting life, and faith not only believes in him. Another way in which the Bible puts this wonderful reality is that faith feeds on him. He he nourishes, strengthens your soul, because he is in your life, and in your life he nourishes you. Now, again, uh, here on this point, I'm indebted to our friend Thomas Watson, the pithy Puritan Uh, from whom I have learned so much and enjoyed quoting at a number of points in this uh, series. Watson asked the question, how can we stimulate a spiritual appetite? And he gives two answers. The first I'd already thought of, and the second took me by surprise. Two answers. Number one, exercise. Well, anyone would think of that, I think, to stimulate an, an appetite. But the second answer was the one that caught me by surprise. Quote, there are two things that stimulate appetite. Number one, exercise. Number two, sauce. <laughs> sauce. You heard me right. I'm looking at this in his book. Sauce. And then I began to think, well, you know, I suppose in 17th century England, the food was probably pretty bland. I know some of you are saying in 20th century England (laughs) the food is pretty bland. But here's Thomas Watson, and he says, now I sit down at a meal, and what makes it more appetizing to me? Sauce. He's right. This is a sweet Baby Ray moment, folks. (laughs) The sauce is the boss. And you know what that is. You know, the meal comes out, and immediately you're you're looking to put something on it, and that increases the attractiveness of the meal to you. Now, you can have some fun with this in the life groups as you talk about it this week. But let me just put it this way. God increases our hunger and thirst for righteousness by giving to us the sweet sauce of his blessings, the sharp sauce of troubles, and sometimes the hot sauce of persecution. And you can come up with a lot of other varieties as well. But what I'm saying to you is simply this. It is good for us to cultivate the habit that whatever is going on in your life, whatever God has put on your plate, use it as a means of increasing, cultivating your own hunger and thirst for righteousness, for God himself. So when you are blessed, make it the habit of your mind to say, Oh God, you are so good. And as I contemplate your goodness, I just want more of you. That's the right response to the blessing of God, which is sweet sauce. When there are troubles, how are you to respond to troubles? Oh Lord, here I find myself in this great trial. And perhaps you'll call to mind what Peter says. Sometimes you'll go through through fiery trials, and these come and they test your faith which is more valuable than gold, and prove that it is genuine. Oh, God, in this trial, I need you more than ever. Oh, God, help me to walk with you, and please walk with me in this trial. Let this trouble bring you to Christ, whether it be sweet sauce, whether it be sharp sauce, whether it be hot sauce. Let whatever God puts on your plate be the thing that you use to cultivate a greater nearness to Him and a more active pursuit after Him. And that takes me to the last thing, and it's simply this. Trust Christ especially for your sanctification. Trust Christ especially for your sanctification. And for folks who who don't know that word, think of it this way, for you to live a better Christian life for you to become more like the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, here's the point, and it's an important one. I've spoken to many folks over the years who believe that they can trust Christ for the forgiveness of their sins. And they also believe that they can trust Christ for their eventual entrance into heaven. But when it comes to the whole question of overcoming habits that ruin their lives, When it comes to the whole business of changing what we like to call, well, that's my fragility or my Achilles heel or that's just how I am, they find it very, very difficult to believe that Jesus Christ can do anything in relation to changing them now. In other words, here's how they think. They trust Christ for their justification and they trust Christ for their glorification, But they do not trust Christ for their sanctification, and they live in this kind of world of hopelessness. Well, at least I'm forgiven, and at least one day I'll be different, but I'm never going to be very different now. Now, here's my challenge to you. Jesus Christ came into the world to save his people from their sins. Not simply the guilt of their sins, not simply the consequence of their sins, but from their sins. He came to deliver you from all that holds you back from living a better and more Christ like life. And this Savior that you say you you can trust to completely change you into his image one day. This is the Savior who has triumphed over sin and over death and over hell. He's at the right hand of the Father. He sends his Spirit. He is righteousness and redemption and sanctification for you. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 30. Now, if you can trust him for forgiveness in heaven, why can't you trust him to help you change and to cultivate a greater hunger and thirst for righteousness? this is so important, folks, because hope is the key to all change. As long as the enemy of your soul has you believing that change is somehow beyond you, this side of heaven, you will not attempt it. You will not train yourself in godliness because somewhere deep within your soul you say, anything I try is going to end in failure. And at that point you are not trusting Christ in relation to your sanctification. You are not looking to him. As long as you're telling myself, well, this is just how I am and I will never be different. Listen, change never happens without hope, but where hope comes, change is possible. And let's end today by shining this light of hope into the hearts of discouraged believers. When you see Christ, you will be like him. And every true Christian believes this, you've trusted Christ for this, you will be completely like Jesus Christ. Think of what your patience, your wisdom, your compassion, your kindness, your righteousness, your strength will be then. And here's my question and my invitation. If you can trust Christ to complete his redeeming work in you, then why can you not trust Christ to move it forward in your life now? If you can trust Him to make you completely like Jesus Christ on the last day, why can't you trust Him to make you more like Jesus Christ now? So I invite you to trust Christ for your sanctification as you trust Him for your justification and for your glorification. It's one Redeemer, and to be a Christian is to trust Him. To trust Him. So, five strategies to cultivate a spiritual appetite. Gain momentum from the first three Beatitudes. Can't just start here in isolation. It comes in the flow of the Christian life. Practice fasting from legitimate pleasures. Make yourself vulnerable to the needs of others. Use your blessings and your troubles, the sauce, as incentives to feed on Jesus Christ and trust Christ, especially for your sanctification because hope in Jesus Christ is the beginning of all change. When we see him, we will be like him. And what comes out of that knowledge? Those who know this purify themselves even as Christ is pure.
1: What a challenging message, but also an encouraging one here on Open the Bible with Pastor Colin Smith. If you trust Christ to complete his redeeming work in you then, why would you not trust him to move it forward in you now? It's a powerful question and one that maybe you want to kind of reflect a little bit more on or even go back and listen to this message again. You can do that by coming to our website, openthebible.org. You can stream each broadcast for free. You can also listen through the Open the Bible app, which is free. And you're going to find that at your app store. Simply look for Open the Bible You can listen to our daily radio broadcast, the weekend broadcast, our daily devotional, and a lot more. Again, if you don't have the app yet, you'll find it at your app store. Simply look for Open the Bible or connect with us online at OpenTheBible.org. Well, Open the Bible is listener-supported. We're able to be on this station and bring you Pastor Cullen's teaching each day because of your generosity. But as you give a gift of any amount this month, we want to say thank you by sending you a copy of Pastor Cullen's book called Momentum, pursuing God's blessing through the Beatitudes. And Colin, you used an analogy to describe the Beatitudes. Tell us about that.
0: Oh, well, if you picture a series of seven rings being suspended from a ceiling and imagine a person swinging on the first ring and then reaching the second and then swinging on the second ring to reach the third, I find that to be a very helpful analogy for the Beatitudes because the Beatitudes tell us not only what it means to be blessed, It tells us how we can pursue the blessing of God. So, for example, one of the Beatitudes tells us that the pure in heart are blessed. Mm -hmm. Well, you read that, blessed are the pure in heart, and you say, how do I get there? And the answer is, in order to get to the sixth Beatitude, you've got to swing on the ring of the first and get to the second, to the third, and to the fourth, and that will take you there. So you see, this really answers the most important of questions. How do I grow in the Christian life? And it all begins with grasping hold of the first ring, which is within everybody's reach. Because Jesus starts by saying, blessed are the poor in spirit. In other words, you begin when you know that you're in the place of not having what it takes and needing to receive from Christ himself what only he can give.
1: Well, we would love to send you a copy of this book. Again, it is called Momentum, Pursuing God's Blessing Through the Beatitudes. And it is our thank you gift as you give a gift of financial support this month. You can give online by coming to our website, openthebible.org, or call us at 1-877-OPEN-365. Again, the website is openthebible.org, and our phone number is 1-877-673-6365. For Pastor Colin Smith, I'm Steve Hiller. Thanks for listening, and I hope you'll join us next time. This program is a listener-supported production of Open the Bible. There are four things you most need to know about God as a believer. Find out what they are next time on Open the Bible.